Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will revisit the healthcare sector as my guest will provide a performance update of the group, outline the risks to be mindful of, and share some considerations when it comes to positioning. Uh, joining me here for the conversation, glad to welcome back Eric Poniker, Healthcare Analyst Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Eric, good morning to you. Welcome back and looking forward to the conversation. Thanks, Dan. Good morning. So, Eric, I understand that the equity strategy team within the chief investment office, uh, they recently designated the U.S. healthcare sector as most preferred. So, Eric, can you speak to the thesis behind that shift against the current macro backdrop, of course, being mindful of rising interest rates, inflationary pressures? Yeah, I think the you know, the upgrade was exactly that, a response to the, the macro environment with you know, Fed rate hiking accelerating from expectations a few months ago. Uh, leading to a more rapidly tightening economic cycle. You know, within those in the past, defensives have notably outperformed cyclicals. Healthcare, one of the more attractive defensive sectors uh, from both a growth and evaluation standpoint relative to the market. So that was really the thinking and is the thinking behind the most preferred on healthcare and the upgrade um, at the beginning of the month. So, Eric, with respect to sector valuations, how do those currently look relative to the broader market? As a sector, healthcare trades at a 15% discount to the S&P on 2022 earnings and a 7% discount on 2023 estimated earnings. And you know, that difference between the two years is really because of the analyst expectations for a decline in COVID-related earnings in 2023. So think of vaccine-driven earnings, um, other therapeutics targeting COVID and COVID diagnostic testing, all of which consensus expectations expect to decline materially in 2023. So for that reason, healthcare earnings are expected to be relatively flat, um, and that causes the discount relative to the S&P in 2023 to be smaller than it is on 2022 earnings. I'm not sure that it'll ultimately play out that way, um, but at the same time, it's still, even on 23 earnings, it's a notable discount to what is historically uh, a sector that trades really on, on par with, with uh, the broader market through the cycle. So there's still an attractive valuation backdrop to the healthcare sector. Thank you, Eric, for that insight. So I know it is an election year here in the U.S. and a D.C. policy chatter at times. It can move the needle when it comes to how the healthcare sector trades. So as we're approaching the midterm elections in November here in the U.S., Eric, is there anything on your radar with respect to policy tractions or anything that could pose implications to the broader group? Sure. Uh, the, the main one still is, is U.S. drug pricing. Um, I think there's still a decent chance that a narrower Build Back Better bill will be pushed through Congress uh, by this fall. If that happens, then the drug pricing provisions will almost certainly be part of that legislation. And just recall the proposals from last year on drug pricing in, in the existing Build Back Better bill were quite modest. And I think ultimately the market should view those types of drug pricing um, proposals as a positive uh, from an investor standpoint. The industry would be trading off a very modest reduction in growth for needed clarity and the likely removal of drug pricing as an an issue for at least the next decade. Uh, And if Build Back Better, uh, a trimmed-down version of it, does not move, then I think drug pricing likely recedes as an issue until 2025 at the earliest. And 
just to frame that in context, now the drug pricing issue has been one that's that's really been an overhang on, on pharma and biotech for the last six or seven years. And I think it's really driven a lot of the valuation discount in the healthcare sector because large cap pharma and biotech still represent about fifty percent of the market cap within the healthcare sub index. So, you know, that that is an issue that if resolved, I think is a meaningful positive for the sector and, and within the sector obviously a big positive for the still very inexpensive large-cap pharma and biotech uh, uh, sector. I think the um, the odds of a Build Back Better bill moving through are probably around 50-50, but if it moves, drug pricing is almost certainly going to be part of it because it does have su- uh, sufficient support among the, uh, the um, uh, Democrats in the Senate. Uh, thank you, Eric, for that added insight. And, of course, a lot there to track. And we'll keep in touch on how drug pricing reform might progress as we make our way closer to November. Uh, switching gears a bit, Eric, what would you identify as being the risks, the main risks at the moment to the group? Yeah, uh, so I, I'll just touch briefly again on, on drug pricing. I think headlines could reemerge in the next few months about drug pricing. Uh, and I think that is a headline risk. And I, I don't think the impact will be particularly significant, but it's something for investors to watch for, and I would view that as a buying opportunity. Beyond that, I think the biggest risk near term is really uh, market positioning and crowding in healthcare. You saw at the start of Q2 a very quick shift to defensive sectors, including healthcare, and healthcare outperformed um, early in the month ahead of earnings, as I think a lot of investors were looking at, for a place to hide in terms of Q1 earnings and found healthcare as an attractive place to hide. And then as we saw Friday, uh, crowded hiding places can empty quickly. Uh, and healthcare had a, a day of pretty steep underperformance in an already weak market on Friday. And I, I think investors just need to, you know, appreciate that in the short run, you're going to get that kind of volatility. That even though healthcare is a defensive sector and its earnings and growth are defensive relative to the broader market. You're still going to have days when crowding and headlines combine to cause the sector to underperform. And I think that's the biggest near-term risk. Now, beyond that, I, I think you know, that the healthcare sector is dealing with some of the same issues that the broader economy and, and the broader market is dealing with in terms of inflation, supply chain issues. I do think the healthcare companies, particularly the large-cap diversified ones, are well-positioned to manage those risks. But uh, particularly in the smaller cap, less uh, mid cap, less diversified companies, you know, we're going to see headlines of companies that are struggling with inflation and supply chain issues and labor, uh, as we saw Friday with at least one company reporting last Friday and citing labor issues. You know, those are going to happen. Um, but the sector is not immune from all economic forces. It is just better positioned than many other cyclical sectors in terms of the underlying demand for its services and its ability to sort of maintain its growth. So I, I think those headlines will occur and they'll cause some volatility with certain companies reporting. I think investors just need to be prepared for that and, frankly, view those as opportunities to add to attractive positions. Running with that latter point, Eric, as we begin to close out our conversation this morning, with respect to positioning within the healthcare sector, what are you recommending at this time? From a, from a subsector standpoint, we remain most preferred on medical devices and on life sciences tools just because of their underlying growth and limited exposure to legislative and regulatory risk, uh, you know, these sectors also are defensive growth sectors. Uh, and, and I think while um, valuations are not as attractive as some of the cheaper sectors within healthcare, particularly large-cap pharma and biotech, I do think the growth is attractive. And I do think 
and over the long run, investors are going to continue to focus on companies with durable, visible, uh, underlying growth. And so medical devices and life sciences tools stand out to us uh, within healthcare as those two sectors that have that kind of durable long-term growth and, and strong end markets. We uh, are still neutral on pharma and biotech. I'd say that given the macro outlook and the potential for resolution to drug pricing and the valuations, which I had mentioned before, I'm more positive on, uh, despite my neutral rating, more positive on pharma and biotech than at any time over the last two years. I think for me, clarity on drug pricing is really the key fundamental issue that would push me to being even more positive. But those macro forces that we talked about and the valuations um, at pharma, large cap pharma and biotech, you know, really set up um, for, you know, a reasonably good relative performance of that subsector. But I'd really like to see some of those fundamental risks that have plagued the sector and kept the valuation low. I'd like to see those resolved. for me to get really significantly more positive. Well, Eric, thank you for sharing what you're tracking and for the guidance there when it comes to positioning considerations and very productive conversation this morning. Eric, thank you for dropping by top of the morning for the update on the healthcare sector. Of course, a few items here we can indeed follow up on as the year progresses, so we'll look forward to having some follow-up conversations, though. uh, Thank you, Eric, again for your time today. Appreciate it. Oh, sure thing, Dan. Thanks. And again, this morning, we've been joined by Eric Poniker, Healthcare Analyst Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients, as well as our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including the most recent equity preference list update from Eric Potaker on the U.S. healthcare sector uh, that was published on Friday, April 22nd. So for clients of UBS, please be sure to reach out to your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of that piece directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.